Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be talking about the reputation of Charles Dickens. Dickens was the most popular novelist of his time, and remains one of the best known and most read of English authors. His works have never gone out of print and have been adapted continually for the screen since the invention of cinema, with at least 200 motion pictures and TV adaptations based on Dickens's works documented. Many of his works were adapted for the stage during his own lifetime. Early productions included The Haunted Man, which was performed in the West End's Adelphi Theater in 1848, and as early as 1901, the British silent film Scrooge or Marley's Ghost was made by Walter R. Booth. Contemporaries such as publisher Edward Lloyd cashed in on Dickens's popularity with cheap imitations of his novels, resulting in his own popular Penny Dreadfuls. Dickens created some of the world's best-known fictional characters and is recorded by many as the greatest British novelist of the Victorian era. From the beginning of his career in the 1830s, his achievements in English literature were compared to those of Shakespeare. Dickens's literary reputation, however, began to decline with the publication of Bleak House in 1852-53. Philip Collins calls Bleak House a crucial item in the history of Dickens's reputation, Reviewers and literary figures during the 1850s, 1860s, and 1870s saw a drear decline in Dickens, from a writer of bright sunny comedy to dark and serious social commentary. The Spectator called Bleak House a heavy book to read through at once, dull and wearisome as a serial. Richard Simpson in The Rambler characterized hard times as this dreary framework. Fraser's magazine thought Little Dorrit decidedly the worst of his novels. All the same, despite these increasing reservations amongst reviewers and the chattering classes, the public never deserted its favorite. Dickens's popular reputation remained unchanged. Sales continued to rise, and household words and later all the year round were highly successful. As his career progressed, Dickens's fame and the demand for his public readings were unparalleled. In 1868, the Times wrote, Amid all the variety of readings, those of Mr. Charles Dickens stand alone. A Dickens biographer, Edward Johnson, wrote in the 1950s, It was always more than a reading. It was an extraordinary exhibition of acting that seized upon its auditors with a mesmeric possession. Juliet John backed the claim for Dickens to be called the first self-made global media star of the age of mass culture comparing his reception at public readings to those of a contemporary pop star. The Guardian states, People sometimes fainted at his shows. 
His performances even saw the rise of that modern phenomenon, the spectator or ticket tout, scalpers. The ones in New York City escaped detection by borrowing respectable-looking hats from the waiters in nearby restaurants. Dickens's vocal impersonations of his own characters gave this truth a theatrical form. The public reading tour, no other Victorian could match him for celebrity, earnings, and sheer vocal artistry. The Victorians craved the actor's multiple voices. Between 1853 and his death in 1870, Dickens performed about 470 times. Peter Garrett in The Guardian on Dickens's fame and the demand for his public readings. Among fellow writers, there was a range of opinions on Dickens. Poet laureate William Wordsworth, 1770-1850, thought him a very talkative, vulgar young person, adding he had not read a line of his work, while novelist George Meredith, 1828-1909, found Dickens intellectually lacking. In 1888, Leslie Stephen commented in the Dictionary of National Biography that if literary fame could be safely measured by popularity with the half-educated, Dickens must claim the highest position among English novelists. Anthony Trollope's autobiography famously declared Thackeray, not Dickens, to be the greatest novelist of the age. However, both Leo Tolstoy and Fyodor Dostoevsky were admirers. Dostoevsky commented, We understand Dickens in Russia. I am convinced, almost as well as the English, perhaps even with all the nuances. It may well be that we love him no less than his compatriots do. And yet how original is Dickens and how very English? Tolstoy referred to David Copperfield as his favorite book, and he later adopted the novel as a model for his own autobiographical reflections. French writer Jules Verne called Dickens his favorite writer, writing his novels stand alone, dwarfing all others by their amazing power and felicity of expression. Dutch painter Vincent van Gogh was inspired by Dickens's novels in several of his paintings, such as Vincent's Chair. And in an 1889 letter to his sister stated that reading Dickens, especially A Christmas Carol, was one of the things that was keeping him from committing suicide. Oscar Wilde generally disparaged his depiction of character while admiring his gift for caricature. Henry James denied him a premier position, calling him the greatest of superficial novelists. Dickens failed to endow his characters with psychological depth, and the novel's loose, baggy monsters betrayed a cavalier organization. Joseph Conrad described his own childhood in bleak, Dickensian terms, noting he had an intense and unreasoning affection for Bleak House, dating back to his boyhood. The novel influenced his own gloomy portrait of London in The Secret Agent, 1907. Virginia Woolf had a love-hate relationship with Dickens, finding his novels mesmerizing while reproving him for his sentimentalism and commonplace style. Around 1940-41, to 41, the attitude of the literary critics began to warm towards Dickens, led by George Orwell in Inside the Whale and Other Essays, March 1940, Edmund Wilson in The Wound and the Bow, 1941, and Humphrey House in Dickens and His World. However, even in 1948, F.R. Leavis in The Great Tradition asserted that the adult mind doesn't as a rule find Dickens a challenge to an unusual and sustained seriousness. Dickens was indeed a great genius, but the genius was that of a great entertainer. Though he later changed his opinion with Dickens, the novelist, 1970 with Q.D. Queenie Leavis, our purpose, they wrote, is to enforce as unanswerably as possible the conviction that Dickens was one of the greatest of creative writers. 
1944, Soviet film director and film theorist Sergei Einstein wrote an essay on Dickens's influence on cinema, such as Crosscutting, where two stories run alongside each other as seen in novels such as Oliver Twist. In the 1950s, a substantial reassessment and re-editing of the works began, and critics found his finest artistry and great depth to be in the later novels, Bleak House, Little Dorrit, and Great Expectations, and less unanimously in Hard Times and Our Mutual Friend. Dickens was a favorite author of Roald Dahl. The best-selling children's author would include three of Dickens's novels, among those read by the title character in his 1988 novel, Matilda. An avid reader of Dickens, in 2005, Paul McCartney named Nicholas Nickleby his favorite novel. On Dickens, he states, I like the world that he takes me to. I like his words. I like the language. Adding, a lot of my stuff, it's kind of Dickensian. Screenwriter Jonathan Nolan's screenplay for The Dark Knight Rises 2012 was inspired by A Tale of Two Cities, with Nolan calling the depiction of Paris in the novel one of the most harrowing portraits of a relatable, recognizable civilization that completely folded to pieces. On 7 February 2012, the 200th anniversary of Dickens's birth, Philip Womack wrote in The Telegraph, Today, there is no escaping Charles Dickens. Not that there has ever been much chance of that before. He has a deep, peculiar hold upon us. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today. While we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Brie Carlisle, and I hope you'll come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.